I don't do drag for others. I do drag for myself. So it's not my point to try to get across like what I'm giving. I just do what I love and just like um, hope to inspire people that do love what I do. Everybody's drag is not for everybody, but um, you can be respectful for what people bring. Overall, people have accepted and they loved everything that I brought. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jillian Cedarholm, Entertainment Weekly's news director. Welcome to EW's Quick Drag, recapping all of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 15. Coming up, we've got an interview with this week's eliminated queen, Malaysia Baby Doll Fox. But first, as you can tell, I'm without my usual co-host today, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter, Joey Nolfi. The sugar to my spice, or maybe more like the booger to my sugar, was on the way back from special assignment on set of the 200th episode when he got accosted and thrown onto the back of an out-of-control golf cart that has been endlessly circling the Drag Race parking lot for days now. Mayday! Out-of-control golf cart! Somebody call Ghostbusters, please! Oh my god! So I'm going to have to go solo for now, but I promise Joey will be back soon. In the meantime, I have a very special guest with me today as I perform a celebrity interview challenge myself, just like the season 15 queens. In fact, I have the very celebrity that our eliminated queen couldn't quite keep up with, but I will do my best. Listeners, please welcome from RuPaul's Drag Race season 10's makeover challenge, a former house guest on Big Brother and Celebrity Big Brother, a star of stage and screen, including the upcoming queer horror comedy film Summoning Sylvia. We know him around here as Eufrica. It's Frankie Grande. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me in my makeshift pizza kitchen, Frankie. Oh, no, I'm so excited. I literally just got into quick drag for you, just in case anyone is ever <laughs> going to see this. So I feel very, like, um, apropos for the title of this show. I'm very grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, listeners, take my word for it. Frankie is glittering and looking beautiful today. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. You freaked out in the <laughs> I house. I have to say, so you appeared on this episode. Your sister Ariana was on the premiere as a guest judge, and Selena Estides is one of your best friends. Are you a secret producer this season? <laughs> it's so funny because uh, we were all joking about it being a very grande season, you know, being with my sister, myself, and then, of course, having the most number of queens on a single season. So, you know, grande means large, and that's what this season has turned out to be. Um, so, no, I wish I was a secret producer. If I was a secret producer, I probably would have figured out a way to actually be competing in the show because it is my lifelong dream to actually be a drag queen. I just uh, have never had the time to actually invest in, in getting the skills myself. Like, I, you know, as an actor, I have gotten the opportunity to play a drag queen or, you know, many times, which has been so incredible because there's a hair and a makeup team and a wardrobe team. And in yes. my movie coming out, you might see me in drag. I'm not dropping any spoilers. Uh, but um, yeah, so it's always been my dream. So if, if I was a secret producer, I would fake be a drag queen and behind the scenes and then just show up on the runway looking fabulous but have other people do my hair and makeup and wardrobe but i can't do it myself love it yeah 
Love it. I, we look forward to seeing you in a, in a season soon. Yeah. Uh, so Selena actually spoke about your friendship in EW's first big cast interview before the show premiered. And I've also mentioned in a previous episode that I was actually at the Mickey's viewing party that she hosted uh, in West Hollywood of the Snatch Game episode. And I talked on here about seeing her do her act of giving birth to the little baby Jesus that we didn't get to see on the show. And you were cheering her on from the side, filming her. It was so cute and so clear how close you are. How has it been for you to see her on this drag race journey? I'm so unbelievably proud of her. I'm so, so thrilled with the way that she's coming across to the world. I think that um, she's doing so, so, so well. And, you know, I think when you, when as someone in reality TV myself, I know when you come off of the show before, before you actually see the edit, you see you are so, so nervous about like what they're going to choose to highlight and pull out. And I think that she's um, coming across really beautifully, very, very genuinely. Um, I think due to the shortened episodes, we're, we're missing a little bit of her backstory, you know, like, you know, about her friendships and her sobriety, which she's been so unbelievably vocal about. And the reason why I'm sober today is because of Selena as titties like she um, and I met at Mickey's. Uh, when I was judging a drag show uh, eight years ago and she was so uh, wonderful and I went and I met her after the show and I was I was can I say fucked up because I was fucked up you can feel free to bleep that but I was fucked up and um, I knew at that point that there was something I was uh, you know an addict and an alcoholic I knew it but I wasn't doing anything about it and so uh, two days later I actually went to a meeting and I was in the back of the meeting all by myself and I was so scared. And uh, Selena walked up to me and was like, you know, in, in boy look, you know, in, in boy, in boy, boy look, Selena, the, uh, confessional diary room, Selena. And uh, he came up to me and said, um, hi, um, I'm Selena's titties from the drag show the other night. Like, are you trying to get sober? And it was like so crazy because from that point forward, we were best friends. And I knew, I knew that, you know, like God had a plan for us on that night because it's so crazy that like two days later, I met her at a meeting and then uh, she took me under her ring and, you know, now she has 11 years sober and I have five and a half years sober, but I, I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for Selena Stadies. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And I want to tell all of our listeners to follow Frankie on social media. You've been so open about your own journey to Mm. sobriety. If anyone is struggling or has any family or friends that could benefit, Frankie's very open in answering questions. Um, Thank you so much for being that open. Of course. Thank you. I think it's an important thing, you know. Well, I cannot wait to ask you for all the tea on interacting with the queens on this episode. Okay. Uh, but first, let's recap how it all came together. Mm-hmm. So RuPaul kicks things off by introducing himself as the editor in queef of 5050, TV's sketchiest news magazine. He says the queens will be conducting one-on-one interviews, either walk and talk, sit down, or doing an activity and with some of today's most gag-worthy and uniquely talented celebrities. These include the legendary Coochie Coochie Girl Charo, Mm. drag performer and unhinged golf cart driver Love (laughs) Connie, and the one and only Frankie Grande. Yay! Uh, Frankie, before we get into your own personal involvement here, as a fan, what did you think of the concept of this challenge and having the queens not all interview the same celebrity as we've seen in previous seasons? 
Um, you know, obviously I was so confused when the producers were pitching it to me because originally I thought I, I there was, it was only going to be me. And then it was like, and there was like only three girls. And I was like, where are we in the season? And they were like halfway through. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, where are the other girls? What are you talking about? I'm so confused. Um, but they were like, uh, no, there's three celebrities. It's you, Charo and Love Connie. And when I heard that, I was like, this is going to be the best episode of television ever because <laughs> we're all nuts um, and, and good TV. And as you can mm -hmm. see, and that's exactly what it was. Um, so especially love, oh my God, love Connie is nuts. I mean, she, I mean, what a funny person anyway. Um, so yes, I, when I heard about the challenge, but I was also really excited because I'm obviously a very big fan of the franchise. So I remember, you know, uh, on season one, when they did this, uh, the very, very first season they did this on drag race. And, um, I was excited to be part of like an, uh, such an iconic callback to the very first season of drag race. Mm hmm. So first we do get to see uh, Love Connie group, which I, I don't know, I can't even say which is the most chaotic of these two. <laughs> but so we see Selena do a sit down interview that devolved into Connie making squirrel noises for some reason. <laughs> Lux took a wild golf cart ride that I thought she actually excelled in getting a couple questions in there. And then Mistress decorated cupcakes with Connie, uh, which she took to some very unappetizing places. How did these queens do in their love Connie interviews to you? You know, I think that Lux definitely did the best um, of these three. And I think Mistress did the worst of these three, for sure. Um, you know, I just, but that's, you know, my personal opinion, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a judge on the show. Just that's what I was looking at, uh, from it as an audience member in the edits with what they chose to focus on. That was just the way that I, uh, thought that they came across, but obviously said with so much love, I think mistress yes. has been killing it this entire season. So I think it was rare to see her struggle. Especially, yeah, I think that was working against her because yeah. we do see her bouncing off of people so much that we're like, oh, you can't pong Connie's ping. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably why, to me, it stood up as such a glaring departure from the way we've seen Mistress is because, like, she's always the one that has a quick retort. She is mm -hmm. the feisty one. Like, there's nobody that can take her down. And then Love Connie completely disarmed her, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I thought. So maybe to me, that's probably why I thought she did the worst of those three. But um, yeah, I definitely thought Selena was safe. So, but also, again, personal bias. So I'm not, you know, I'm going <laughs> to not say that. But I thought she was definitely going to be safe uh, this week for sure. So next we had Team Coochie Coochie. Sasha tackled corralling Charo in the kitchen and had to ditch her cue cards after a crazy pig was eating her papaya. <laughs> then Marsha, Marsha, Marsha <laughs> kind of grinned and nodded her way while trying to act, look like she was at least actively listening to Charo and ended by asking her age, which was a, a choice. What, did you take, what was your take on these interviews? Well, I mean, obviously Sasha Colby killed it. You know, uh, she was absolutely wonderful balancing Charles' energy. So funny. And um, the throwing of the cards and, you know, obviously the, the Hawaiian, it was just, it just really, it just really resonated very well. And she met, you know, Charles and she matched Charles energy level, which I thought mm -hmm. was very difficult to do. Yes. Um, and then, yes, I thought Marsha, I thought Marsha looked a little lost somewhere in there sometimes. Like, you know, I think it's obviously, you know, again, it's very has to do with what they choose to feature in the edit and things like that. But like the blink that her wide, her wide eyed <laughs> yeah. stare where she just didn't know what to do. I thought yeah. was, you know, Marsha's always charming. So it was somehow still charming, but um, I think she looked a little um, out of her league in that situation. And then I, I think she asked Charo what her age was because she knew that Charo was going to have a good answer. 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it was meant to like, I don't think it was as offensive. I think it was probably somewhere in the research that Charo has a funny answer for that. So mm-hmm. Marsha was teeing her up. That's at least how I viewed it as an audience member. I don't actually know, but, um, I thought it was, uh, I think out of those two, Sasha won. I agree. So this brings us to a set of interviews that comparatively ended up being the least chaotic by far, which was very surprising. You, Frankie Grande, were interviewed by Lucy LaDuca, Anitra, and Malaysia, who all seemed heavily invested in asking you about recently getting married. Um, Since I have you here, I'd like to dive into these individually. So first, let me ask, what was your strategy going into these interviews? Were you wanting to make it a bit more of a challenge for them to get info out of you? Or did you approach it more like doing an IRL interview? Yeah, I, I approached it like I was doing press, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a actor, I'm a performer, I'm a reality TV star. I've done so much press in my life. I've sat down with some of the biggest interviewers and the biggest names, including you. <laughs> yes, top of the top of the list. Entertainment Weekly. Um, so you know, I just literally went in there being like, just be Frankie and pretend you're promoting a project, and mm-hmm. that's how I went in. And you know, I didn't want to. I wasn't trying to challenge the girls. I wasn't trying to throw them curveballs. I was just being myself, um, mm-hmm. the way I would in a normal press interview, and seeing how they handled it. Like that, because I've been on both sides, right? Like I'm a professional um, host as well, so yes. I've interviewed hundreds of celebrities on my Amazon TV show style code live and red carpets and done all those things. So I know that it's never about the interviewer. So it was interesting to be in a situation where it actually was about the interviewer's Mm -hmm. skills, but I still tried to make it, you know, like I was there just doing a normal press tour. Yeah, like and I, I think it I think it did come off that way. Um, so first we see Lucy doing the sit-down interview with you. It seemed like you were vibing. What did you think about her approach? Honestly, Lucy was one of the most thoughtful interviewers I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, like wow. you the things you did not see, because we were we each one of those interviews was 10 minutes. So, you know, and it's edited down to maybe 90 seconds, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know, two minutes. But um, you know, Lucy had me crying. Lucy was oh. asking such pertinent, beautiful questions about my life, about, you know, why Hale was the right person, where we met, like how it was a departure from my previous relationships. And like, I ended up talking about like past traumas and, you know, we really got into sobriety and um, I was absolutely in tears by the end. So I thought Lucy was unbelievably thoughtful with the questions that she asked me and mm-hmm. was v- completely in command and control of the entire interview. I love that as titties compared to Barbara Walters. Cause that's what mm-hmm. I felt like. I felt like mm-hmm. I was being interviewed by someone who is a veteran in, you know, talk TV. Mm-hmm. Well, if she's looking for a job after drag race, EW is always on the look, look yeah. out for a good interviewer. That would be but great. I do have to ask about, she, she got a critique for, a good critique, yeah. but RuPaul called her out for the one question that Ru said was an obvious question for about Frankie's trip. And yeah. I, I'm a professional journalist. I was speaking with a colleague who is a professional journalist who's also a Drag Race fan. And we were like, hold on, we're not quite sure what the obvious question is. It's RuPaul. So we were like, is it going somewhere dirty? Like, is there a how's your head reference? Right. My colleague's guess was that it, it was something about which leg was it implying like a third leg scenario? I was like, I don't think Rue's asking about Spider-Man. Frankie, do you know what the obvious question is? Am I going to look real dumb right now? No, I don't think there's an obvious question, but I, I think the follow-up was why? 
You know, I think it was just like, why do you think that that witch doctor suck a spider on you? Uh, and so I answered it on Instagram the other day. But basically, you know, I had gone on this trip to South Africa and, um, you know, with my and we were immersing ourselves in the culture. So we went to the witch doctor's um, hut and um, they were, he, he was explaining all the different like medical remedies. And I'm, I'm a, my father's a doctor. I'm like a Western philosophy, Western medicine, like junkie, um, mm-hmm. literally junkie. Like I became a pill addict. So like I'm a literal <laughs> Western medicine junkie. So I was like, I was very, very skeptical. And I feel like the witch doctor was trying to teach me a lesson by uh, having that spider bite me and then me having to need to rely on Western medicine to fix it. So uh, that was just where uh, I think that was was probably the follow-up question. But so, I, uh, so myself and my colleague were just way overthinking that there was some specific like, like crazy womp, womp. thing. I don't know. I think it was just like, no. why? Why does Frankie think that he stuck a spider on him? I think, and, and it was just to teach me a lesson because I was, you know, so skeptical of what he was doing inside of that hut. Mm-hmm. So then we see you do a power walk, a power walk and talk with Anitra that felt a little bit more chaotic. Uh, Sasha says in a confessional that she's worried about Anitra because Anitra has been pretty quiet all season. But I thought she really kept up with you, and I thought this was a lot of fun. What did you think of this one? I thought it was so delightful. You know, Anitra actually was fangirling, which I thought was very, oh. very, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anitra came across as so loving and so charming and so happy to be there. So I th- I was nervous because in the beginning she was fangirling a little too hard to, oh. to get a, to make questions out. But mm-hmm. as we like warmed up, it just completely started to flow and um, was a very nice conversation. And again, asked different things, asked about my coming out story um, and, uh, you know, my fitness routine. And I think that it was, it turned out to be really, really playful. And I really enjoyed the way that it was, um, came across on TV. Mm-hmm. And we had our second uh, coming out after being in a frat representation this season after Aura was also a yes. frat bro back in the day. So fun. Yeah, I didn't think about it. Did she come out to her fraternity or was she just... I think, I think it was that... Oh, now I'm trying to remember our pre-show interviews. I think it was that she came out... While in? After, or after? While in or maybe after. I know that we asked if she had hooked up with anyone in her frat and she said no, but the other fraternities on the row were uh, yes, fans um, of fair hers. Game. <laughs> yes. That's funny. So <laughs> finally, you are joined in your pizza kitchen by Malaysia, who seemed to really struggle. Selena notes that it was more like you interviewing her. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you? No, she was definitely struggling. I think that um, it just wasn't, I don't know for some, it just wasn't, she didn't feel comfortable, I don't think. And, um, you know, in that moment, I was like, well, we can't stand here in silence. So I will (laughs) turn on the Frankie and I'll just start going for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think you, you saw like, I, I filled I wanted there, I wanted it, I wanted to fill whatever gap was, was there, you know, for instance, like Lucy had no gaps. Um, so I didn't have to do anything. Um, Anitra mm-hmm. had a little, in the beginning was a little flustered. So like I helped her get through that. And then with Malaysia, I just, I, I, there was actually a point where I turned to her and I said, um, is there anything you would like to ask me now? Like, and, and that didn't make it onto the TV show, but I, I was really trying to get her to engage with me and it just wasn't happening. And so I just, I just took over. 
I was just like, you know what? We're gonna, we're still on a TV show, so let's, you know, let's go to Frankie's kitchen and we'll make some spicy Italian meatballs. And, yes, uh, I did. I did appreciate that she did match you on the accent. Yes, she did. She did. <laughs> I mean, listen, there were very cute moments, um, but again, it was a ten-minute interview, so um, there were. It was. I was exhausted by the end of it. I'll just say that. It was an exhausting, <laughs> it was an exhausting one out of the three, but I just love her so much. And Malaysia's, yeah. I met her so many times that then and since then, and she's been nothing but wonderful. And I just love her presence online. It's very positive. And so uh, just sending her all the love and light in the world and telling her that she did a great job this season. She should be very proud. Yes. And so I, I did actually interview her and the uh, story went up on EW.com Monday, mm. but we will be playing it in full at the end of this. And I did say, I have Frankie coming on. Do you have anything to to say to him? And she said, simply tell Frankie, I said, thanks a lot, but not in a like, thanks a lot way, but just thanks a lot. Oh. Um, is there, sadly, it was not in an Italian accent. Um, is there <laughs> oh, no. anything else you'd like to say to Malaysia in in response or any advice you would give her? Oh my God, just keep growing, keep growing, keep, you know, if you know, if this is truly an area of weakness, I don't know. You never know what's going on with the girls behind the scenes that day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this was just an off moment for her or if it's something that she actually struggles mm -hmm. with, like speaking in kind of an interview, like public setting, sitting down like that, or, or being the interview were not the interviewee, then just work towards it. You know, like, I mean, everyone has weaknesses and the only thing you can do throughout your life is uh, chip away and grow. I have them too. And I've worked really, really hard on them um, to make them not weaknesses, but I've turned them into strengths. So I think this could be something that um, when she looks back in five years being like, oh my God, that's so silly that I didn't do on that interview. I'm so comfortable doing it these days. Or she can just be like, you know what? I never want to do that ever again. <laughs> but Yeah, this is just not not what I want to do. But, but yeah, I mean, turn that's your weaknesses so into strengths. That's my advice. Yeah, great advice. And this is always what, I mean, gets me about Drag Race. Like, it's so amazing. Like, we say the Olympics of drag, but it's more like the boot camp, the, it's I don't know, like of drag, like you are really going through all of these different challenges and some of them are going to be skills that you really excel at and want to do with your career, but it's so directly tied to your career, which is just so unique to this show. And, and I, I feel for them when you, cause when you do, you know, for what I've like, what other circumstances are going on in your life and you are in this pressure cooker and you don't excel and then are you going to lose a gig that would be for that, which is just so tough? Yeah. And, you know, I do think it's always important for everyone to understand the pressure that they're being put under. You know, that's why I mentioned it earlier. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's Project Monet. It's top model. It's great British Bake Off. It's, mm -hmm. uh, every, it's every single major reality television show mashed into one. And then yeah. they have to look stunning and completely transform. Um, yes. You know, multiple times and all these looks, like 22 looks or something that they each have to bring with them. It's just, it's, it is the craziest ask, I think, of, of uh, any cast that I just mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, everything that they do should be applauded. Even, even when they stumble or fall, like it's, it's just so unbelievable that they are there at all. <laughs> Completely agree. And we totally celebrate all things drag yeah, on this show. Absolutely. So on the runway, we finally got Night of a Thousand Beyonce's, something <sighs> fans have been clamoring for, or Night of Eight Beyonce's, as Anitra corrected, or maybe even Night of Ten Beyonce's, if we're counting mistress, Mistresses Kelly and Michelle puppets, which fully gagged me. It was amazing. Which when queens looked stood out most to you? I really loved Anitra's look. I really did. Mm -hmm. I thought Anitra's look was beyond stunning. 
like just the the interpretation and the way that it um was different from the original but also so so like you knew exactly what she was doing when she walked down that runway and i thought that was probably the best she's looked all season so initra's look stood out to me as as my favorite Mm -hmm. was there an iconic beyonce look that you were surprised not to see i mean we only had eight girls but well you know it's so funny i have to tell the story i have i have the Beyonce jacket that she revealed her baby bump in. The actual oh jacket. God. Not the same jacket, like as in the same designer. I yes. have Beyonce's jacket that she wore because her stylist returned it the next day. And I got a call from my guy at Dolce & Gabbana who was like, uh, the stylist just dropped off this jacket. I can give it to you for 50% off. And I was like, sure, work. And I got there and I was trying it on and I was like, huh, the buttons are different. They look, the buttons look like they're um, like different. And they're like, yeah, yeah. They wanted to make it look more feminine. And I was like, oh, okay. Why? And they were like, cause Beyonce wore it last night. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they're like, Beyonce wore this jacket last night at the Billboard Awards. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> oh my god so that's my amazing so uh loved that that look was on there because then lucy did it because i was like that i have that jacket i have that jacket um have but, you worn it out in public yet um i have not worn it out in public no no of course i have what am i saying i've worn it like seven times out in public yeah i wear it all the time <laughs> um i'm obsessed with it um but uh now i feel like it's going to be preserved for posterity's sake because that was so that was so long ago so i'm like you know what i don't want any beads falling off but um, mm -hmm. let's see. I I really enjoy all of Beyonce's Black is King looks, like that mm -hmm. from that movie. So I would have loved to see maybe a reference to one of those would have been really cool. Um, I thought that was like my her strongest fashion era was mm -hmm. that um who she worked with for that movie. Oh my god, it lost my mind. So um, maybe maybe I would have missed one of those. But other than that, I think they all picked really funny and iconic looks. Yeah, I thought we got a good range of really glamorous, really campy. I thought it was a lot of fun for Lux to choose this Bob Mackie look yep. that had been on so many divas, including RuPaul, was yep. a lot of fun to see. And Shangela. Well. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, Sasha was declared the winner, while sadly Malaysia and Selena were forced to face off in a lip sync. In my interview with Malaysia, which we'll play next, she says that she was shocked that we didn't get to see a Malaysia and Mistress lip sync. Same. Were you equally as surprised? I think a, a lot of us were. <laughs> Absolutely. I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. What did you think of the lip sync that had Malaysia whipping off her necklace and Selena losing half her hair? Oh, my God. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, I, I told Selena, I was like, it's there. The you you being in the bottom of that week is actually was in, to your favor because she killed it. She killed that single ladies uh, choreo like she did the choreo mm -hmm. for God's sakes. Uh, so it was it actually turned out to be totally fine for her. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, being on the bottom and surviving is is so much better than being safe, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. you are getting to show yourself, show what a consummate entertainer you are. If you win a lip sync on the show, that's a win to me. That's mm -hmm. like winning the whole challenge because you get to show the world who you are. And then RuPaul says, Shantae, you stay. So that is a great thing. So I'm like, Selena, the all the times you've been on the bottom and won has been just as impressive as if you had won the challenge to begin with. So um, I think it all worked out in uh, the way it was supposed to work out. But yes, I was shocked. 
that it wasn't the Mistress Malaysia showdown that that they've been setting us up for. Like, yeah, they've that's been the fighting thing. in the workroom. They've been fighting in um, untucked. Like they have since episode one. They were like, "Oh, these girls are gonna go at it," and then we didn't mm-hmm. get to see it. So that was a little, you know. But it is what it is. It ends up being. It ended up turning out great for, um, you know, Selena. So I'm I'm happy. Yes, and officially the lip sync assassin of the season, back to back. It's her yeah, fourth great. win if you include Lala Perusa. So yeah, yes, and we do. She did great. There. Yeah, she did. Um, and Celine Dion and, was epic. Yeah, and so she and she's shown so many different sides, which is just really great. Um, in Untucked, though, we do see going into the the lip sync or before she found out her standing that her confidence is really shaken at the thought of being in the bottom again. Do you think that, I mean, you probably know more, but let's, you know, we don't want to spoil anything, but do you think just knowing Selena as a person that this is the kind of thing that would totally rattle her going forward? Or does this cement her as a, put some fire under her, cementing her as a lip sync assassin? So, uh, you know, as someone sober and knowing, uh, you know, her as a sober person, we rely so heavily on our sober community and our sober friends and our sober support system. Like it, we've been trained to pick up the phone rather than pick up a drink or a drug. So it's hard when you take someone who's used to having that kind of support system in their life and remove that completely from their life. Um, same thing for me on Big Brother. Like, you know, I, I, did, when you take away our support system and it's like and lead us to our own devices, like it is, it, we get really hard. I, th- I, th- I got really hard on Big Brother. Like, I'm like really hard and like, like angry and aggressive and, and feeling. And I think the way we're seeing Selena is that she's starting to lose a little bit of confidence in herself, I think, um, on the show. But then you see her kill the lip sync, and I'm sure that gave her so much more confidence. So, you know, I think that it's just, again, like she's been, everyone on that show, everyone on that show has been removed from their support systems. And that's what makes that show so hard. And why I send nothing but love to all of the girls on every season, because I know even Irene Dubois, I fucking love you. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause mm-hmm. that is so hard to do. Um, and step away from the people you you love and the people who fuel you every day. So I do mm-hmm. think that maybe she stumbled a bit, but I also think that she probably was very, very uh, bolstered by the fact that she did stay and that she stayed in such an epic way. Yeah, and and like you said, like you're hearing RuPaul choose you to be the one that she wants to see more from. Yeah, which I it's like when hope. Julie Chen was like, Frankie, you've <laughs> won this power of veto. I have chills thinking about it. Or like, Frankie, you are the next HOH. That is equivalent to RuPaul saying Shantae you stay. Like, <laughs> I felt like a god when that happened. So even if I was up on the block and I won the veto when Julie said I won, I felt superhuman. So I totally understand, totally understand that that like jolt of adrenaline that you get from Shantae's day. Well, since you're bringing up Big Brother, season 25 is coming up this summer, and I know a lot of fans are hoping it's an all-star season. Yeah. If they ask you, would you go back and live that experience all over again? Yeah, abs- I, I absolutely would. I would. I absolutely am not done with Big Brother. Like, there's no way I'm done with Big Brother. Um, I'm cautious because I'm afraid of going out like Janelle did 
in the last season of All Stars. I I have won nine comps, so me, Michael, and Janelle are tied for the most comps ever won in a single season of Big Brother. I know that I'm going to walk into that house with a massive target on my back. So if it was the same type of All Star season as last season, I would probably be voted out right away. So I would need it to be like Big Brother Legends, <laughs> honestly. It's the only way that I would be safe if I was in that house with Dan Giesling and Mike Boogie and um, Derek Lavasser and, you know, the biggest Janelle, get her back. Um, Brittany, like I, I, I want Rachel in there. Like I want to be in there with all humongous players. And if that was the case, I think I would be able to find a path to the end. But otherwise, I'm just going to be there for one week. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. the point, <laughs> you know? Would you do anything differently this time around? Um, I think I would have to do everything differently. I think it would have to be a completely different game because, you know, I am, I am much older. It's been eight years since my last season of Big Brother. So it's not going to have that same. I don't, you know, who's, who's to know if I'll still be as good as all those comps? Who knows? Um, you know, if I'm in there with some 20-year-olds, they might kick my ass. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I do think I would definitely have a different strategy. But Ultimately, I would lead with who I am, which is what I did the last time. Just, you know, go in there, make friends. Like that was the thing. I went into that big brother house to make friends and make lifelong relationships. And I would still do that moving in even to an all-star legend season. These, If it was with all those people I just mentioned, I would love to get to know them because I have admired them my entire life. So I would get in there and just start making friends and then play the game and see how it goes. And, and you know, I, would I try to win the first HOH again? Yes. Of course I would. I think that I stayed as long as I did because I won the first HOH, to be honest. So, uh, but if I didn't, yeah, I would change the strategy. That's the thing. It, it is such a, it's such a fluid game because it all depends on what the twist is, who your cast members are and, uh, what, what those challenges are. So you just got to shift. Like maybe, maybe if I lose that first HOH, maybe I'd just be like, no, I'm not winning a comp this whole season. And that's fine. You know, lose Mm -hmm. it, you know? Well, I think a lot of people are looking forward to that as we are looking forward to next week when we are finally getting the first 90 minute episodes of season 15. I'm preparing myself for fans to now complain about episodes having too much filler or queens (laughs) claiming their best moments are still edited out. But Frankie, are you excited about the longer episodes? Yeah, I mean... Yes. And I, you know, I've been listening to all of the review shows and I know that like Monet is like, my season was 45 minutes. I know. But once you give a mouse a cookie, mm-hmm. he's going to want to keep the cookie and get their glass of milk. You know what I'm saying? You can't take the cookie away from the mouse. That's just mean. So yes. I think that once now that we've established these 90 minute episodes, there's really no going back. Like it was very difficult to have the most queens shoved into 45 minutes. So um, like, it's so fun. Like the Lala Perusa was literally like, it was like, and we're in the work. I was like, wait, what? It's we're at the runway. It's three minutes into the episode. Uh, so yeah, I do. I do think we're um, gonna get back to the to the good good stuff. I love this that we're back to ninety minutes. It is really really great. Yeah, that's where we get some of the the greatest moments, just in the silliness in the world. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to and it. And I want to learn about their filler moments. I want mm-hmm. there to be filler moments. I want to yeah. know about their backstory. I want to know about their relationships with their parents and with their siblings and, you know, with drugs or alcohol or whatever, you know, whatever it is that, that we do get when it's a 90-minute show. I, I miss those, those, you know, backstories. 
Absolutely. Frankie, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us more of a peek inside the episode. Uh, Before we say goodbye, I'd love to know more about this movie you have coming out later this year. As someone who's currently sitting in a house with a haunted doll, a Ouija board, and all kinds of other spooky kooky stuff, I'm very excited about this. What can you tell us about summoning Sylvia? Oh my goodness. I'll tell you that you are our target audience. So (laughs) I'm very excited for you to see the film. Um, I'm very excited. You know, it's about um, a gay bachelor weekend in upstate New York City where we rent a haunted house and take our best friend there because we are obsessed with all things spooky. Um, I am the witchiest of the four boys that goes up to the house and uh, I, I decide to have a seance to resurrect the spirits there and then all sorts of insanity ensues from that point forward. It is um, a, all the leads are um, uh, LGBTQ plus, uh, the directors and writers and producers are all LGBTQ plus. So it is a very, very queer film um, and made for everyone, made for everyone, but with, uh, you know, that emphasis of representation, which I am very, very proud to be a part of a film. We shot it during Pride, actually, during World Pride in New York City. So mm. it was, it felt like I was the proudest I've ever been shooting that kind of film with, with those cast members, everyone, all my co-stars are just incredible. And, uh, I cannot wait for everyone to see it coming up. I think it's, uh, let's see, it comes out next month. So here we go. I'm really excited. Oh, so soon. Okay, great. It's coming out in in select theaters and then to streaming, uh, all in April. Perfect. So (laughs) we will all keep an eye out for that. Well, thank you so much, Frankie. Um, Bye. Oh, no, bye. This was so fun. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Hang on. I just got a voicemail from Joey. Wait, I think this might be a butt dial. Pedal to the metal! Next up, Malaysia Baby Doll Fox has finally gotten the taste of that square pizza out of her mouth, and she's here to dish her thoughts on this gag-worthy challenge, including what went wrong in the kitchen with Frankie, her surprise over lip-syncing against Selena instead of Mistress, her thoughts on Sasha Colby's claim to have possibly inspired Beyonce's alter ego, Sasha Fierce, and what her drag mother, LaShawn Beyond, from season four, had to say when she returned home from filming. It's all coming up in our exit interview with Malaysia. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag. I am honored to be talking with season 15's Queen of Untucked. And yes, her crown is made of metal. Miami's very first Rue girl who brought the lemonade to the runway even before the night of a thousand Beyonce's, Malaysia Baby Doll Fox. Hi. First of all, I want to thank you for not forcing me to make pizza during this interview. <laughs> as you as you noted on the show, Frankie Grande does have a big personality, and I know he's longtime friends with Selena Estides. Did she give your group any advice for handling him in your interviews? 
none at all. <laughs> Sabotage. Right. Um, I do want to commend you, though, for trying to keep up with him, sliding that meatball question in, even going along with him doing the Mario Brothers ask Italian accent. Did you feel totally out of your comfort zone doing that? No, I didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> At what point did you feel like it was starting to go off the rails, though? Because you did say afterwards that you hoped someone else just did worse. Um, I mean, obviously, I think Frankie likes to talk a lot. So that that was like my only worries is that, you know, he was just talking maybe a little bit more than me. And he had answered most of everything before I could ask the question. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's that actually, I, I do want to talk about a, a high point from this episode before we get to the end. Fans were very excited about Drag Race finally doing a Beyonce runway and you looked incredible. How did you decide which Beyonce look to go with? Um, thank you. Um, I mean, I've wore beautiful gowns all season, so I think I wanted to change it up a little bit and I wanted to um, wear something that kind of like spoke to me and then um, she wore this look in South Africa, so I wanted to um, really, like, you know, touch bases with something that I knew that some of the other girls probably wouldn't be able to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I I have to know, what do you think about Sasha Colby's theory that she may be the inspiration for Beyonce's alter ego, Sasha Fierce? I mean, in the words of Mistress Isabel Brooks, I think the um, drag delusion vaccine needs to, you know, come out because the girls are losing it. (laughs) (laughs) I speaking of Mistress, I loved watching your dynamic together all season. You gave each other so much shit, but always made up after things went a little too far. How did you two get so close and what is your relationship like now? I don't talk to her at all. I hate her guts. Um, she's a yeah, I, I've been on a couple a of those multi-hour Twitter spaces with you too. <laughs> no, I mean, just like sisters in real life, you know, you fight, you argue. But at the end of the day, you know, you just cannot live without that person. That's just kind of how me and Mistress dynamic is. And I think coming to the competition um, in such a high-stress environment of being in a competition and everybody wanting to win you kind of like find those people that you can relate to the most and i think that um our background in drag is um most relatable um compared to some of the other girls so i think immediately she was drawn to me not i I was not drawn to her let's just put that out there (laughs) she was drawn to me and you know um she just laughs at everything that i say everything that i do and i know i'm a very infectious and warm person and i'm a very loving and caring person and she probably wanted to be around that at all times and you know she don't want to admit it she wants to be a bitch but She knows I'm that bitch, and that's why she loves me. But I do love that bitch back. (laughs) (laughs) You both seemed pretty sure that you'd be going up against each other in the lip sync. What were you, what was your conversation like with her? And what were you thinking when you found out it was you against Selena instead? Um, I mean, like everybody else, probably I was shocked and surprised because I knew that the world probably would want to have seen the Mistress versus Malaysia lip sync, which I thought probably would have been very iconic, but it just didn't happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, hey, maybe we'll get it eventually. Who knows? (laughs) Yes, we're praying for that. 
This was Selena's third time in the bottom, which is usually a kiss of death. When you saw her also lose half her hair, did you think you had this in the bag? Um, I don't doubt anyone. <laughs> but also, when I almost slipped on that hair, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's trying to sabotage me. <laughs> oh, no. But, I mean... No, I don't really um I don't put nothing past nobody. Like I don't I don't be like, okay, three times you're out, you know. Um, she's a phenomenal performer, so I expected her to give it her all and you know, I gave her my all and you know, the best person won at the end of the day. You really did give her a run for her money. It was extremely close. Um, so she she has now sent home you and your adopted drag daughter Spice, is she officially an enemy of the family? Um, let's say what RuPaul said, um, called the snipers. <laughs> <laughs> she is the target. Nah, I love Selena and I'm very close to her. She was actually my station mate um, mm-hmm. in the workroom. So yeah, um, if anybody sent me home, I might be with Selena. Mm-hmm. During the critiques before the lip sync, you told the judges in your mind, you think you're super confident, but then you shut down because you get intimidated. Both RuPaul and T.S. Madison spoke with you about not holding yourself back. Did you feel seen by them? And have you been able to take their advice to heart? Um, yeah, of course. I just think like in that setting, in that space, like um, it's, it's kind of hard to just adapt um, sometimes. But, you know, you know, we tell ourselves we could do it all again. We'll do it um, differently. But I'm proud of what I did, what I've done. And um, I told myself, as long as I was authentically me, um, that's all that matters. And I've been very comfortable sitting back watching myself because I know everything that I've done was me, whether I was shy, whether I was outspoken um, when I was vulnerable or whatever it is that I presented, it was me. So um, I love the journey that I took and I love watching the journey that I took. Um, if I could go back and do things differently, of course I would, but I'm proud of myself and I've learned a lot about myself. Of course, like I am a very confident person, um, but also like, you know, put being put in a life changing situation to where um, you're not used to the circumstances, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot different. So it really like bothered my confidence and kind of like um, put me back in a place of, like I'm at the beginning of where I'm trying to prove myself, but I think um, eventually I did. Well, even after losing, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it's a it's a pressure cooker, as you had said in a previous episode that I don't think the rest of us can imagine being in. Um, in your pre-show interview with EW, you mentioned that your drag mother, LaShawn Beyond from season four, helped make some of your runway looks and also gave you some advice to have fun and not miss home. What was your first conversation like with LaShawn when you returned? Um, I'm back. <laughs> 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 no, um, I mean, I, I did have fun and um, she knew. She was like, she was like, I just kept looking at the calendar. I'm like, this bitch is still gone. Obviously, she's doing good. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, she's very proud of me and um, what I did on the journey because, you know, when she was there, she wasn't there for a really long time. So, um, it really made her proud, like, even, like, just being a part of her legacy to mm-hmm. go and represent. And, yeah, even my Beyonce runway was made by LaShawn Beyonce. So, shout out to her. Nice. And speaking of her legacy, you teased in in our pre-interview as well that there might be an homage to her iconic globe 
headpiece this season? Was it your hairball wig from last week's episode? I don't know if y'all want to say so. <laughs> okay, well, you heard it here officially. I'm I'm declaring that an homage to the club. <laughs> yeah. Would Would you do a mother daughter season of All Stars? I think we need it. A mother daughter season. Yeah. Oh, would they be ready for that when I tell you? Uh, of course, I would be down for it. The more drag race, the better. I'm down. Yeah. And LaShawn is ready, too. <laughs> you've, you've described yourself as a glamorous fashion camp queen. Do you feel that the judges and the fans got your drag? Um, I feel like they did. Um, yeah, I feel like people understood it. I think they tried to box me into more of like a pageant girl or a glamorous girl. But, you know... I don't do drag for others. I do drag for myself. So it's not my point to try to get across like what I'm giving. I just do what I love and just like um, hope to inspire people that do love what I do. And at the end of the day, like, you know, everybody's drag is not for everybody, but um, you can be respectful for what people bring. And I think overall people have accepted and they loved everything that I brought. I'll just say that. Mm hmm. Well, we do know that this fandom can be particularly toxic at times, especially to Black queens, especially to plus-size queens. Uh, it seemed you got a lot of that after the untucked fight with Marsha in particular. Did you feel prepared for the kind of comments you would have to deal with and and even knowing that many of them might be very young people or people who are just trolling? What kind of toll does that end up taking on you? I know you... You said that you were trying to just let it roll off, but I, I can't imagine just being slammed with that. Um, I mean, like mentally I was prepared for it because I just think like it's a repeated cycle of what happens like year after year um, with um, certain girls and everything. And this also like what I've dealt with, like in the past, like in um, like off the show, like I've dealt with trolls, not necessarily the same type of trolls but um we know the drag race fandom could get a little yeah. bit crazy because like people are like diehard fans and they like really are rooting for who they're rooting for which is understandable like i love people too and I, I i rally behind them but like i don't think like you should have to send people death threats and um like wish like ill on somebody just because you know they checked your favorite person or um told your favorite person that they were wrong you know i yeah. can see if we were arguing about something um that wasn't like that just didn't hold any weight but i was literally like telling somebody like that i just wanted respect at the end of the day no matter how you felt you know we can have differences but let's have respect for each other um it doesn't matter if you black white purple green or whatever just be respectful to me and i'll be respectful to you and like we could have a um we could have a heated conversation or argument or um whatever it is, but just let's be respectful and like just don't look down on me because like you know and also like I understand that we're we're all here and we're in this competition and we all get in our head. But if I'm giving you the respect to explain yourself and express how you felt in that moment, just give me the same, the same, the same space. That's and that was like my whole point. Um but as far as the fans, like, people who aren't there won't understand. So I don't feel the need to go out of my way to explain it to them. And also, words do not hurt me because, like, everything that they are saying to me, is it doesn't hold any value, you know? Because if I think those things that they think of me, then 
that makes me a weak person, you know? So I, I, I don't give words power. Just like I don't give compliments power as well. I accept compliments and I love compliments. But if I give if I give one thing power, that means I have to give all things power. And I don't give anything power because then that will affect um, the way that I think and the way that um, I accept things. So if you say, hey, you look nice and I love it, and I say, thank you. I appreciate it. But also I don't um, say like, oh my gosh, like they said I'm pretty and I look good. And then like next week you be like, oh, that was ugly and horrible. Because now I care. I can't care that much. Mm-hmm. Sounds like yeah. a, a healthy outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is stupid, but this has been on my mind for weeks. Uh, speaking of Metal Gate, when mm-hmm. Marcia suggested doing rock, paper, scissors to finally get resolution, and you said, no, I'm not doing rock, paper, scissors, but I will draw paper out of a hat instead. Please tell me, Malaysia, why is drawing a paper out of a hat any different than playing rock, paper, scissors? Because you did win. So do you know a secret about (laughs) these two games? Well, maybe I had a trick up my sleeve and I put, you know, I'm just just kidding. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I just think like in the past, a lot of of past seasons, the resolution has been rock, paper, scissors. And I'm like, you know, I just want to go a different route. I just want to try something different. And I think it evens out the playing field to randomly put it in a hat and then, like, somebody choose rather than, you know, because, say, for instance, like, right at the last moment, maybe I see your f- fingers going into a scissor <laughs> mode and I might just pull out a rock, you know? So mm-hmm. let's just put two papers in a hat. And then also, they had already, that group had already established that they were doing it. So it was like, Y'all not going to get y'all away telling us y'all doing it and y'all going to tell us we doing rock, paper, scissors. No, y'all not going to completely just keep telling me what to do. So no, we're going to do it my way. So yeah, <laughs> that was my motive. I love it. Thank you for indulging me and thank you for all of the the drama and entertainment that you brought during that whole, that whole episode. Um, I know that Mistress has been teasing that you and she and Sugar and Spice might be doing a family tour. And I know you recently came out to L.A. to visit the twins and do a little doll shopping to get a baby doll all of your own. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit more about your dynamic with the the family and if if you are planning to to do something all together after the show? Yeah, I mean, you didn't really see... Um... Uh, much of uh, me and the twins bond. Well, you've seen it on the show, but not much as much as um, maybe Mistress, but I am super close and I love them dearly. And every time I'm in LA, I stay over to their house and we just have a blast. I love them so much. And yeah, I mean, maybe it is a tour in the works. I don't know if the people want to see it, you know, speak on it or forever hold your peace. But also I just bought a... Um, a new pair of platform heels. I don't know how tall yes. they are. They, they, my sugar and spice heels. And yeah, I put a video on Twitter and I almost lost my ankle. So yeah. Oh no. I don't know. I just Protect don't the ankles at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> Protect the, the, the big girl something always happened with the ankles, the legs, or something. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, Malaysia, thank you so much for your time. I know this elimination won't break your soul, and I have no doubt that Miami and your fans all around the world are very proud of you. Yes, because guess what? I'm a queen. I'm a queen. I'm a queen. (laughs) Thank you so much to Frankie Grande and Malaysia Baby Doll Fox for joining me this week, and thank you to everyone listening to EW's Quick Drag right now. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. 
I just want to quickly check in with Joey again to see if he's been able to hop off that golf cart yet. Joey, how you doing? I'm going to die and I'm wearing my grandmother's panties. Grab the wheel! Oh dear, I really need to get him back. I can't do this alone again. Thankfully, we have Angina on retainer as the official driver of EW's Quick Drag, so I'm just gonna hop in this van and go on a rescue mission. Join me and Joey next Tuesday for an all-new recap of the first 90-minute episode of season 15, including an interview with the Eliminated Queen. Angina, hit it! Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. This weather, cloudy weather. Ooh!